You're listening to the official podcast of Asbury University, produced by students with God-honoring conversations that inform, edify, and encourage. This is Asbury. We explore culture and current topics through a Christian worldview, promoting a well-balanced life, and we empower our community to belong, become, and be set apart. I'm your host, Abby Lobb. Welcome to This is Asbury. Welcome to this episode of This is Asbury. Today's topic is definitely a hot take right now, artificial intelligence. Today's guest has a really interesting perspective on this as a writer. So AI has really sparked global controversy in the creative industry, and there's been a lot of disruption that has happened. So the questions are, you know, have technological advances gone too far? What's the role of humans with AI. There's lots of things to unpack. So in this episode, we have a really cool professor on here today, Sean Gaffney. Welcome, Professor Gaffney. Thank you for having me. I want to talk with you today about AI specifically and how it's influencing writers. So we're going to talk to Professor Gaffney about AI and the Writers Guild strike that's kind of ongoing. (laughs) So Larger than that, the threat or advantage that AI poses to creatives in the screenwriting industry in, you know, how is this going to impact the future of that industry? So you have been in the business for a long time. <laughs> so <laughs> yes, <laughs> you've kind of seen it all, but this is new. So I just want to talk to you about what AI is teaching us about human thought at large, and then just how this is going to impact the next generation of creatives in Hollywood. <laughs> You're in the process of writing yourself right now this summer. Yeah, so could Chap GPT have written the script that you're writing right now? (laughs) (laughs) I hope not. No, no. But it can do a lot. So let me start with this. Have you used any of these AI features recently? I haven't made that jump yet. Yeah. My wife has started using it, Mm -hmm. some for helping to build the website and Mm -hmm. uh, things like that. But I've... I have not. Yeah. So among your students at Asbury, for starters, tell me what you teach here at Asbury. Just give me a quick overview of your background. I teach screenwriting in the media department for both undergraduate and graduate students. So that's my main focus. I'm also the associate dean for the School of Communication. And I started in theater. I was a theater producer. I was a producer of plays in New York and then Seattle, where I started writing more and became a professional playwright. Uh, And then I sold a script to Veggie Tales, and that made me realize, oh my goodness, you can make money at this writing thing, (laughs) because in playwriting, not so much. And that led me to uh, Hollywood to learn more about television and film. Went through the Act One Writing for Hollywood program, lived in LA for 12 years, for nine of those years, worked at Warner Brothers. I was the story administrator for Warner Brothers Features. And then uh, God said, okay, it's time to go teach. So I left LA to go teach and ended up here at Asbury. I'm a produced playwright, screenwriter, television writer, animation. If it has a script and you're willing to pay me, I'm willing. I'm willing to write it. That, that's amazing. So thank you for being at Asbury <laughs> for starters. Yeah, but so you are no stranger <laughs> to writing in Hollywood. <laughs> and so can you tell us a little bit, just give us an explanation of the strike that's happening sure. and why that's happening? Yeah, I'm not a guild member. So I'm outside of this particular battle, although it affects everything in media and especially a lot of my friends. It's affecting them. There's a lot of issues. And I, and I know we wanted to talk a bit about AI specifically, Mm -hmm. which is on the table. And there's just a concern about 
will AI take jobs? And a lot of folks will dismiss that and say, well, of course it's not going to. What do you think we're going to do? Start writing screenplays with? But it already has taken a lot of jobs away from my wife. My wife, Catherine, Mm -hmm. is an actress, and she's a voiceover artist. Uh, And there's a lot of jobs that she normally would have been up for that they're just having AI read instead. So it's not a unheard of issue. It's a twofold dilemma. The concern that is the prominent one for the WGA is, are you going to replace writers straight up with AI? There's also another level, though. I think the argument that, well, they're not going to have an AI write the next Marvel movie because it's not there yet, right? (laughs) It's not there yet. And yeah, not yet. (laughs) Let's start thinking forward. But more importantly for me, I see it, it's the entry-level writing that AI is already doing in a lot of different types of writing. For the $200 million superhero movie, are they going to risk having it be completely AI generated? No. For the $20,000 movie? Sure, Mm. why not? So for the smaller movies, the smaller TV shows, for reality TV, for writing the opening monologues, for all of these kind of entry-level smaller pieces... I think that's where the current risk is. And I think we're already seeing that in some of the smaller pools. And for me, the thing we don't think about when we start eliminating some of these entry level, you see that in voiceover. Mm -hmm. So it's the entry level, a lot of the entry level voiceover, voiceover on YouTube, voiceover on instructional design. There's a lot of the kind of, oh, well, this is just entry level anyway. We're only going to pay somebody 75 bucks. You know, let's save that money, have the AI do it. Well, where then is the training ground for those up and coming? So we're eliminating this crucial step of training, and especially for me, for screenwriters, television writers, script writers, if we start losing those $75 jobs of writing that intro, writing that commercial, writing that short film, if we're losing those, then we're losing an entire step in our development. Jump ahead 10, 20 years, well, yeah, we don't have the A-list writers that can write those $200 million movies because we haven't been giving them experience. And so we will have a quality quality problem that we won't notice for 20 years. And then in 20 years, we'll kind of be stuck and somebody will go, oh, we need to start training people again. Yeah. Has your wife listened to some of the voiceovers? Like, is it about jobs she she didn't get? How well does it do? That's a a trick question because the, the question is for... The people who are choosing this, they're looking for good enough. Yeah. They're not looking for high quality. They're looking right. for good enough. And for me, even for me, I, I don't have the trained ear that she has, but I'll watch a YouTube video and I'll get partway through and I just like, I'm bored. Yeah. It's an exciting topic. It's an, you know, they're talking the about like, touch. right. Yeah. You know, this is just narration going under describing how the Chiefs won the Super Bowl kind of a thing. <laughs> and it's like, well, the visuals are still exciting, but there's just something about the voice that is not quite there yeah. yet. But if you're working on low budget, then oh well, like you said, you yeah. know. Yeah, <laughs> knocks, yeah. Save, knocks save the money and does it get the information across. So, yeah. and I'm in a, that's part of my problem too, because I'm in an artistic world. So this concept of, are we getting the information across? A little bit of a sidebar, but this is something that in educational television or educational media, we've been, Artists have been fighting for a long time. So I'll use the example, if you think of either children's media or uh, specifically Christian media, which we're mm-hmm. <laughs> attached to, yeah. often the argument is, did the information get across? 
well, then we don't care whether it was right. well animated. We don't care whether the dialogue was sharp. We don't care whether the storytelling was good. Yeah. It's did it get the information across? And that's a superficial way of looking at communication. When communication is just about did the information get across? Did your mother say the words, I love you? Well, that's right. enough, right? She doesn't have to act it. She doesn't have to show you. Mm. You don't have to feel it. Right? And that's really what we're saying when we do this. We're saying, no, 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 the information is the only thing important. How it makes you feel, the emotion behind it, are we showing it? To me, that's important too. Yeah, that's important, especially now You know, with what we're seeing with Gen Z and any generations right now really with isolation and that lack mm-hmm. of human touch and doing everything on a phone and doing everything virtually. It's like that has real ramifications so if everything sounds robotic and just slightly less human you know what does that do to our psyche over time (laughs) yeah we're not one-dimensional beings right so why should our input be one-dimensional yeah so (laughs) just out of curiosity and you know asbury students are the best many of them are producing this podcast but did you have any students who were trying to use chat (laughs) gpt and how did you distinguish (laughs) (laughs) Original work versus AI. I have not confronted any students yet who may or may not be using ChatGPT. It's a tool, right? Yeah. And as with any tool, it can have positive uses and negative uses. So if I have a student using ChatGPT to help research an article or a story or or an essay, uh, that's one thing. If it's replacing their voice. And this is when you get into the fear of cheating. (laughs) We're actually talking about something completely different now because what we're talking about are the students who are there for a grade rather than an education. There's this false pride in I got away with cheating (laughs) Um, that really is a false pride Mm because it's not a admission of accomplishment as much as they make it sound. It's like, look at what I did. It's the oldest trick in the book. Yeah. And it's always been there. And, you know, I've had students who've cut and pasted from the internet. But it's a different kind of a conversation because it's not them wisely using tools correctly. Right. right? Yeah. So it sounds like you're saying there's a healthy medium Mm -hmm. somewhere to be found in adapting this technology. Yeah. And part of it is understanding it's a tool. My First day of shop class when I was an undergrad theater major. We walk into the shop, and the professor had every single tool in the shop laid out on benches and tables all Mm -hmm. around the shop. And our first class was nothing but walking from tool to tool. And he would hold something up. He'd hold up a screwdriver, and he would say, this is not a hammer. This is a (laughs) screwdriver. And he would explain what it's for. And then he'd pick up a wrench, and he'd say, this is not a hammer. This is a wrench. <laughs> and every single one started with this is not a hammer. And what he was hammering into us is that you could use a screwdriver to drive in a nail. And, right. and we've probably all tried it at one point <laughs> yeah. or another. But that's not what it's for. Uh. And if you understand what it's for, then that helps you with the tool. So I, I like to think of AI as the calculator. Mm-hmm. And really this is how we're backing off of the fear of this thing that we don't know to talk about what we do know. And it's the introduction of the calculator. The real danger of the calculator when it was introduced, (laughs) and I know I'm showing my age here, is everybody's like, oh no, kids aren't gonna learn how to add anymore. The danger wasn't, oh my goodness, we're gonna get our work done faster, that's terrible. The danger was, what are we using it for, Mm -hmm. right? Are we using the calculator 
to help us deepen our math? Mm -hmm. Or are we using the calculator so that we don't have to understand the principles of math? That's kind of where we're getting into the using the AI to write your essays for you, yeah. is are you using it to help you deepen your essay? Or are you using it so that you don't have to understand the essay? And there's a problem with that. So um, I'll tell another story. I'm a storyteller. <laughs> I went to a, a fast food restaurant once. I probably shouldn't name it. Uh, so we'll just call it Mickey D's to protect their identity. And I was on a French fry run. And at the time, they were having a special. They had a list of menu items, any two items for $5. Well, the French fries cost $1.99. So I ordered two French fries, getting some for me and my friend Dave, we <laughs> professors who just needed a French fry break. <laughs> so I ordered two French fries, and they said, oh, it'll be 5.30, whatever, mm -hmm. come around the corner. And I'm like, well, they're $1.99 each. That's $2, $2, 2 plus 2, mm -hmm. it's 4. <laughs> so something's wrong here. So I got up to the, to the counter, and before I paid, I said, excuse me, why is it over 5? And they said, oh, because we're running a sale. It's special, <laughs> 2 for 5. And I said, oh, but they're cheaper. They're, if, you know, if you... <laughs> Buy them individually, they're cheaper. And they said, no, 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 they're on sale. It's two for five. That's cheaper. And I said, but each one, and I tried to explain it, each one is $2. $4 is less than. And they just couldn't understand it. And so they had to get the manager. Oh, gosh. And so the manager came up, and I said, I don't understand why I'm paying five plus for two things that are $2 each. And he said, oh, because they're on sale. And repeated everything that the other person said. And I said, okay, could you just as a favor to me ring them up individually. Right. So he like, rang them up individually and he's like, oh, this is only 430. It's a dollar cheaper. And I'm like, yes, that's what I've been trying to say. The moral of the story isn't, oh my goodness, they're so dumb. The moral of the story is they use the machine mm -hmm. to replace mm -hmm. the thinking. Yeah. So the machine is not a tool that helps them do their job faster. The machine became something replacing. So they could not understand how to think about it without the machine. So that's exactly the risk that we're running with AI, right? Mm, is are we using it to replace how we think about things and therefore losing the ability to think about things? Or are we using it to deepen? Because the reality is calculators used to deepen our time. There's no reason that it should take an extra five minutes to add up my order because I'm demanding they do it by hand, right? That's the ridiculous side right. of being afraid of calculators. Yeah. As a creative, is there anything about it that excites you, or are you still sort of <laughs> waiting through that? Yeah, I mean, I'm already seeing friends who use it. There's the busy work angle of mm -hmm. what we do. The research angle, I think, is very exciting of how it can speed that up. For research, we could go into a library and go to the card catalog and look up articles and go and photocopy them, or we could go to our library's computer website right. and search for an idea <laughs> yeah. and help it draw a lot of that. I think that will be nice. I think in terms of things like formatting and grammar, I mean, mm -hmm. I already use spell check. That's yeah. AI. Right. Right. Grammarly is AI. Yeah. I think that will help with a lot. And, and again, as, as long as I'm not getting lazy and going, well, I don't need to know spelling yeah. or understand the principles, <laughs> but it sure saves me a lot of time when it sees misspellings that I just don't see. Right. That's great. And last thing, and, and I'll let you add in anything else that's on your mind, but what is the Christian approach to AI in your opinion? Is there any difference? I mean, is there <laughs> some kind of morality component of this? Yeah. I mean, the, the simple answer is yes. There's, there's a difference with anything, with anybody who has a moral, ethical grounding in something, 
Uh, we have ours in Christ in the gospel that should become a question, and we often don't ask the questions, right? So there's an ethical component to everything that we use. We're called to be careful in how we use things. The Bible specifically talks a lot about how we use our tongue, how we use words. We are to be accountable, and that's kind of the terminology used is carelessness in words. Mm-hmm. And I think some treat that as, oh, there's a prohibition. There are words you can't use, which I think is a very shallow understanding. That's the cheap, easy way out, right, is, oh, my goodness, my mom said I have to look both ways before crossing the street. It's easier if I just never cross the street in my life. And with AI, it's kind of the same thing. It's not a case of, oh, there's dangers here. Don't use it. It's are we being careful in how we use it? And to be careful in how we use something, we need to understand what do we value? Mm. Is our value... Our high value efficiency is our highest value time, is our highest value money. My wife and I just had dinner with our friends of the Bowers. We often have game night. And for game night, we'll go over, we'll eat dinner, and then we'll get to the game. There are many nights we never get to the game because <laughs> we're just having so much fun laughing and talking that time runs away from us. So we never get past dinner, which is a very inefficient use of dinner. <laughs> right? If you think about it in terms of efficiency, we should get the food in our bodies. Yeah. We should maybe have a little bit of time to digest because that might be efficient and then get on to the business of the day. Right. I don't feel like that's wasted time. So what is the value? So it's very much akin. How we're approaching this should be akin to buying local. Mm-hmm. If we choose to buy something local, it's not because we think, oh, you know what the smartest thing to do is to spend more money on something. Right. There's a value that we're supporting differently. I worked for a CEO once who told the story at his church. His pastor was walking by the youth group office and overheard one of the youth group members was ordering pizza for a youth group party. And after putting the order in, he then said, by the way, we're a church. Would you donate the pizzas to us. And the pastor was walking by right as he was saying that, went in and actually hung up the phone on him (laughs) and said, we have a budget for pizza. We can afford the pizza. There are things that we do in our ministry that we have trouble affording. And that's when you're asking for people to partner with you. But our job as a church is to support our people, support our community, support Mm -hmm. the town we live in. And one of the ways that we support it is we buy pizza at full price even if we could get it for free, right? Yeah. So are we using AI carelessly? Are we thinking about what is the cost of saving money? Mm-hmm. What is the cost of saving time mm-hmm. and efficiency? And sometimes it's the people. Sometimes it's thinking, you know what? I could save that $75 or I could take a young voiceover artist mm-hmm. And give them some experience, give yeah. them a chance to grow. What is the value for us? Is the money more important than the contribution? Is the time being saved more important than understanding the issue? If we don't understand what our chat GPT is telling us, we don't understand the issue underlying. If I decide, oh, somebody wants me to write a script about the sex slave trade, and I'm like, oh, great, I don't even need to understand it. I don't mm-hmm. need to understand the roots. I can do a very kind of a simplistic view of it by having chat GPT yeah do all of that for me so I can skip understanding the issue. What is the cost of that? What is the cost in the final product? What is the cost in me as a future? What is the cost to our world when all of our scripts about issues are written by an algorithm? So are we deepening our storytelling? Are we deepening our story experience? Mm. Are we just putting time and money as our deciding values? Well, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of This is Asbury. To learn more about Asbury University, visit asbury.edu. 